0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Diet Obsessed Podcast. I am your host, Veronica Santorelli, and this is a podcast for those of us who are just obsessed with all things diet culture, and we're trying to find some balance in this world full of extremes. All right, let's get into the episode. So today I actually have another interview for you. I have an interview with a registered dietitian who is very renowned. Her name is Kim Shapira, and she is the founder of the Kim Shapira method. I have I have talked about that a little bit briefly in the past, um, but I do have a, a really good interview with her coming up. But first, I just wanted to give a little personal update, a little Christmas recap. So I hope all of you had a wonderful holiday. Um, whatever holiday you celebrate, I hope it was a great one. Uh, I think Hanukkah fell a- around the same time as Christmas. So um, I hope all of you had a happy Hanukkah for everybody that ce- celebrates Kwanzaa. hope you had a happy Kwanzaa. Um, I celebrate Christmas with my family here in Maine and it was very cold. (laughs) Um, it was weird. It was really warm the day before there was a huge winter storm that came in and here in Maine, I mean, there was a lot of people that were greatly, greatly affected. I mean, some people were in blizzard conditions and got buried in their cars And I mean, it was, it was really crazy in some States here. It actually was pretty warm on Friday. And so it was just pouring, pouring rain. And then Saturday it dropped. I mean, it was like in the fifties on Friday and then it dropped to like 15 degrees on Saturday. So it was freezing, but it was, you know, bright and sunny. Um, We didn't lose power. We usually lose power. We've lost power many, many Christmases Um, this, but we did finally get a generator and I expected that we'd lose power, but we didn't, our, my brother did. So my brother didn't even make it to Christmas Eve dinner because he, so he doesn't have a generator and he had to keep his fire going to keep his house warm. So his pipes wouldn't freeze. And I mean, personally, I think he could have made it over. I mean, he's about 45 minutes away from us. Personally, I wish he'd come over just to have like some appetizers with us on New Year's Eve, but whatever. He, he was very nervous about it. So he just stayed at home with his girlfriend. So anyway, um, but it was a very happy holiday. So, so we have a really strong Christmas tradition, New Year's Eve, what we've started to do. Um, so after my father passed, we used to spend New Year's Eve with him and have a really big Italian dinner, uh, but since he's passed, we've kind of started this new tradition where um, we have a lot of neighbors and family friends, and you know our whole family comes over on Christmas Eve. Uh, this year, George's son flew in, my stepfather's son, uh, Sean, he flew in from Chicago love Sean he's he's a really great guy. And um, my mom made this. So my mom usually makes something that's easy, that she doesn't have to slave over. She's made chicken pie. She's made beef stew. Uh, This year, she made this new dish. Uh, It was some sort of Cuban beef dish. And it was like this shredded beef. And she got some coleslaw to put on it. And she made some pickled uh, onions. And... It, I would say it was good. I It, it kind of had more of a barbecue-y taste than anything, which I'm not a huge barbecue fan, but it was good. I, I had one slider. Uh, I didn't. I, I don't like coleslaw, so I just left the coleslaw on the side, but I did put some pickled onions on it, so that was good. And my mom had made a bunch of cookies, and she made this incredible trifle. So if any of you have ever seen trifle, there's a ton of different ways to make it. I was familiar with the traditional way, which was what I thought was traditional. It's kind of like a strawberry shortcake. It's got like whipped cream and layers of like sponge cake or like white cake. And um, some pe- sometimes people put angel food cake in it to lighten it up. Strawberries. Uh, this one my mom made with a gingerbread cake. And then she put, there was layers of whipped cream and layers of pumpkin and this like um, ginger crumble. Oh my God. And I put ice vanilla ice cream on it. It was so, 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 so good. Mm, so good. And it was in this like big jar, So It was beautiful. I'll post a picture on my Instagram. And then she wanted me, I normally make my shrimp Guido, uh, on Christmas, but she wanted me to make it on Christmas Eve. So I made the mistake of picking up the wrong shrimp. So I ended up, ugh, I was so mad at myself. You know, I'm not one that he likes huge shrimp, but I should have gotten like the next size down instead of the small ones because I don't know—I I don't know if, if I read the package wrong, but I ended up getting ones that I had to devein. So that was a huge, disgusting project that I had to do while people were already arriving. So anyway, I had to devein these shrimp. And then the shrimp guido is just like breaded, uh, you know, you bread it in like flour and egg and Italian breadcrumbs or panko, and then you fry. I fried in peanut oil because I think it comes out really crispy that way. And then you um, put it all in in a really de- delicious garlic butter. So first, I got the wrong shrimp. They were small. It took forever to bread them. It took forever to devein them. I had made the garlic butter earlier in the day, but then, so I, so I finally get the shrimp fried and, and then I go to put the garlic butter in the pan and literally, so the garlic butter had hardened in the fridge and I was like trying to get it out and it literally like flew out of the container in a huge hard clump and landed right on the floor. And I'm like, no. And I just grab it bring it over to the sink, scrape the bottom off. This was in front of everybody. Everyone's seeing that they're going to now have garlic butter that fell on the floor. I don't give a shit. I'm just like, we're using this garlic butter. I don't care. I just scraped off the bottom and truly nothing that touched the floor got into the dish. But I was just in like overdrive mode and already stressed at the situation. And I'm like, fuck it. We're using this garlic butter if it's the last thing we do. So, but it wasn't enough, of course, Had to scrape most of it off. So Ugh, it was. They were fine. I mean, they were fine. I'm like, there was barely enough garlic. I mean, the garlic usually it's like dripping in garlic butter, and this time there wasn't enough. So I just kept plowing forward, and I'm like, whatever. I'm not gonna get upset about this. I'm just gonna keep, keep, keep going forward. So finally got those on the, the the table, and I had you know was drinking my wine, and um and before. Before Christmas Eve, my sister and I and her boyfriend, Paul, wanted to have a little holiday brunch because we don't get to see each other that much. So when we do get together, we like to, you know, live it up. So before the festivities started that night, we went to this place called State Lunch If any of you follow me on Instagram, you've seen me post a million times from this restaurant because it's, in my opinion, it's probably the best restaurant in Augusta. Um, It's really delicious. They have incredible cocktails. So I had this um, lemony citrusy cocktail that I'd had before that was really good. It had like sprigs of thyme in it and this uh, foam, herbal foam on top. Really good. But then I got the most delicious cocktail I think I've ever had in my life. It was called the Cindy Lou Who. And again, I have a picture on my Instagram at the Diet Obsessed Podcast. Please go follow me if you don't already. Um, but this this drink, it was bright pink and it had a candy cane on the side for a garnish. And it was it's minty, just decadent, indulgent, creamy, delicious drink. And I had had something similar um, before I left Phoenix, and it was again, it was a holiday kind of martini, and it and it was minty, but it was it was white. And in that one in Phoenix, they had dipped the rim in crushed peppermint stick, so that was really cool and it was pretty. But this one was gorgeous because it was bright, bright pink. I, I I don't know what made it pink. I need to go look up the ingredients because I want to try to make that again. But it was really good. So had a couple cocktails, and then I ordered this Poe's chicken sandwich. Now, I had seen this chicken sandwich before, and the last time I had gone, I decided to order something a little lighter and healthier. I had ordered the ramen soup, but I I'd regretted not ordering this chicken. So this time it was still on the menu, and I'm like, yes, it's on the menu. I'm going to get it. So the way it was described, it said like Poe's spicy chicken sandwich. And the way that it was described, it kind of sounded like a Nashville hot chicken sandwich, which I love a Nashville hot chicken sandwich. This one was on Texas toast and it had fries. on. Well, you could get a fries or a salad on the side. Of course I got the fries. I'm in my indulgent mode. And so, so I got this and it came with the dill pickles, which I really like. It was good. It, so it, it was again it was a little more barbecue-y. Like the theme of this Christmas was barbecue. Um, and I again don't really love barbecue. So it was good, but it wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. It was an open face, so there was only one Texas toast, which obviously I didn't need two slices of bread around it anyway. But um, I ate half of it. The fries were good, crispy, small fries, those were good. So it was a decent meal. My sister and Paul got chicken and waffles again. I had no desire to have chicken and waffles. If you listen to my app last episode, you'll know why. Um, so they got that and they got a burger. They had some cocktails. So it was good. And of course, because my sister's like the food influencer, um, we got a couple of free appetizers. They sent over these Kung Pao Brussels sprouts that are pretty good. I don't like the color of them, but they have a decent flavor. And then they, this other dish that they sent over was really good. I hadn't had it before, but it was pork belly in this, some kind of sauce. And again, I, I don't, I only like pork belly if there's lean pieces in it. This one, I did find a lean piece and it was delicious. Um, Sometimes you get pork belly and it's like all fat and it's gross, but this one had a lean bite and I really enjoyed that bite. So that was the brunch. Then we went to visit my godfather and my godfather looked great. I was really happy to see him looking healthier than he has in a long time. It looked like he's lost some weight. Again, losing weight doesn't necessarily mean health. But for this guy who was pushing probably, I don't know, 500 pounds and drinking a gallon of vodka a day, I mean, that was where he was at in the past, um... And now he's with a new partner that is taking great care of him. Again, I don't know if I shared this on my, on one of my previous podcasts, but my godfather was, you know, best friends with my dad and, you know, they partied together. They lived, they lived a very hard life together. And, um, and, and Gilly, my godfather had been single all of his life and, um, and comes to find out he's gay. And, we kind of hypothesized that maybe he didn't think our dad would accept him. And, um, you know, my dad was like that old school Italian type. I, I believe my dad would have accepted him. I think he probably would have made inappropriate jokes, but because my dad just, that's the way he was. He made a lot of inappropriate jokes, but I think he would have accepted Gilly cause he loved Gilly. And, and, but I think, you know, now that my dad has passed, I think Gilly did come out at that point and he's, happier than I've ever seen him in a loving relationship with a man. And um, yeah, they're just, you know, this guy's taking really good care of Gilly and making him be a healthier version of himself. And that makes me so happy because, you know, I always wish that my dad would find someone that would inspire him to want to be healthier. I do think that love and new relationships can do that. Um, Before my dad had passed, I was I signed him up for this dating service, like I pretended I was him and put his picture and was chatting with all these women trying to find him a date just because I was hoping that he would find someone that would inspire him to like, again, be that better version of himself. So anyway, I'm really happy my godfather found that, found that. So we spent just an hour with him. Um, They made us gin, gin, gin cocktails, uh, gin and tonics, which I had like one sip of. It was too much. I was like, I I need, we're going to be drinking wine soon. Let me take like one sip of this gin and tonic. I'm not a huge gin and tonic fan anyway. So got back from that. And then that's when we went to our new year's Eve and I started cooking pretty three sheets to the wind already when I started drinking wine and trying to make my, um, my shrimp Guido, which I mean, maybe too many cocktails is why I dropped the butter on the floor. Who knows? But, uh, anyway, it was, it was a good night. Our next door neighbors came over and, uh, some of our family friends came over and I didn't, I didn't eat as much as I normally do. And that night I ended up, we, after I passed, after I went to sleep that night, I ended up waking up in the middle of the night with like a migraine, just my head was pounding, And I got up and I threw up. I was like really sick and just not well. (laughs) And went back to bed and was just like desperate for my headache to go away. Uh, I had taken three Advil, then trying to like drink, drank a ton of water, threw up, then took three more Advil, just desperate for my headache to go away. I hate migraines. And finally it did. So I woke up pretty headache free. There was just a slight pounding, but not, not anywhere near like it was in the middle of the night. And so I was grateful for that. I hate headaches, migraines, headaches, all of them I hate them. And I don't, I don't normally get migraines to the point where I'll get sick, but I do occasionally. Um, but I, my stomach still was a little bit queasy that morning. And, uh, but I, I, I felt better pretty, pretty quickly after that. I, I didn't rush up to, to eat breakfast. I kind of took it easy that morning and then we went up for Christmas morning and my mom makes a pretty heavy breakfast. Like she gets these huge biscuits from this bakery called Tandem Bakery and it's, they're really delicious. But if I eat a whole, um, biscuit and she makes eggs and she makes bacon it's like if I, what I, I usually do just eat it and I'm not normally that hungry in the morning for a big breakfast like that. So what ends up happening is I, I in years previously, I've eaten that huge breakfast. And then just a couple hours later, we're eating our traditional Christmas day meal, which is pasta with salad and, and garlic bread. And I'm, I usually am just not even hungry for that second meal, So this year I really wanted to enjoy my lunch. Uh, And so I just ate a very small, light breakfast. I only ate a tiny bit of the biscuit, like a little bite of egg. And that was it. And, you know, just wanted my stomach to calm down. We did pop a bottle of champagne in the morning. So uh, I didn't didn't have a Bloody Mary. My sister was making spicy Bloody Marys. I was like, no, I'm like, I'm going to hold off on that. And let me just eat a tiny little breakfast. And then, you know, and then and then my brother finally came over with his girlfriend. He has a new girlfriend. It's so exciting. Uh, I really like her. Her name's Katie. And then uh, we did the gift exchange with my brother and then started making the holiday meal. So we were sipping champagne and playing Christmas music and got lots of good Christmas gifts, gave lots of good Christmas gifts. You know, it was a it was a lighter Christmas this year just because of, you know, the whole court case. But, you know, spending time with family is the most important thing to me anyway. And so regardless, it was a really good Christmas. And then <clears throat> my garlic bread came out beautifully, I have to say. Good bread, nice baguette. My sister actually brought it. And then my garlic butter didn't fall on the floor this time. So that was a win. Got the garlic. And I I put the perfect amount of garlic butter. There's been years before where I put so much butter that it's literally dripping. And and when you bite into the bread, it's like butter pours from your mouth. That's not a good thing. That's not well-made garlic bread. So this year I made, I put the perfect amount of garlic butter on there. I have to say. My sister made her spicy meatballs and sauce. So that was good. She made some nice linguine, perfectly cooked. I will say my sister is like anal retentive about not overcooking the pasta. So that was good. My mom made this delicious salad with uh, cucumbers and sliced red onions and tomato and yum. We had a good bottle of red wine and it was a really nice meal. So had that, then had a uh, dessert. My mom made a raspberry pie. We had coconut cream pie. I ate more of the trifle, and I did have a little bit of the raspberry pie. Um, and that was the Christmas meal. So that was really good. Uh, let's see, what else? Um, I did, haven't really, I mean. I come into this holiday trip knowing I'm going to have very little balance. Um I, you know, I I'm just out of my routine. I don't have a, a gym here. So, I usually try to do just some light things like some push-ups occasionally. So I did I did like two days I did some push-ups and not a ton. I do like three sets of 20 and then I did do a little bit of a workout yesterday. I got my mom's ten pound weights and I did some weighted lunges. I did some arm lifts, um did some core, and that was good. I'm actually really sore today just because I have barely been working out for the past two weeks. so um, so that's good. Now, Chad, my boyfriend, is trying to get here, so, we're heading towards new year's eve. Uh you know, thank god I so I always book on Southwest simply because I often have to move my flight because of business. So I booked to be out in Maine till the 9th of January, which is great because Southwest I would have been stuck in the airport for f- 5 days. Um And now I need to consider whether I'm going to use Southwest in the future because they clearly don't know what they're doing and haven't upgraded any of their procedures for since the 90s. So um, I don't know. I'm, I'm prepared to move my flight again if I need to for business. But right now, Chad's trying to get here for New Year's Eve. We got a beautiful hotel room in Camden, Maine. We are supposed to stay there Friday and Saturday. My sister got us a beer tasting at a local brewery, so we're having a private tasting on Friday. We'll probably have a nice dinner somewhere on Friday and probably bar hop and do some shopping. Uh, My brother and Katie are supposed to meet us. His girlfriend are supposed to meet us out for dinner on Friday. Saturday is New Year's Eve. So we're supposed to have dinner at Primo, which is that restaurant I was like bragging about on my birthday where I had not a great meal. So hopefully this time it's better. I'm not going to get my expectations too high like I did last time. So uh, we will see. But my sister just posted a picture of this shrimp gumbo that she had there. Oh my God, it looks so good. I'm praying that they have it on the menu. I love gumbo if it's well done. And this looked like it was the perfect color. Mm, So good. So yeah, so we're supposed to do that. And I hope Chad gets here. He's literally sitting on the plane. It already got pushed back almost two hours. And now they can't find a captain to fly the plane. So he's on American Airlines. Hopefully he gets here I mean, he still has tomorrow because we're not checking into the hotel room till Friday. So oh God, I hope he gets here. Um, so, yeah, so that's going to be our New Year's Eve. I uh, hope all of you have a very fun New Year's Eve. Hopefully you have some good plans or or if you're just relaxing, sometimes those are the best New Year's Eve, you know, not dealing with the craziness and the hectic, you know, nights and crowded bars and all of that. Yeah. Um, you know, I still, like I mentioned, have not gotten my results from arbitration, but you know, after they didn't come that second week, as we were going into the holiday, I'm like, who am I kidding? Like she's, this judge is in her seventies. She's not going to work over the holidays. Like she's just not. So I'm, you know, I'm just going with the flow. You know, I, I think, uh, my attorney told me that Arizona does have a law that arbitration results do have to be in within 30 business days. So I think that's, January 13th. So hopefully I have an answer at that point. Again, I'm, I'm just trying to go with the flow. My mom bought me this book called Quit. <laughs> she's, you know, she's, she's, it's been eight years of struggling with a startup. And, you know, she's not saying that she definitely wants me to quit. I mean, a lot of my friends and family have, have seen me struggle and have been like, you know, why don't you just quit? Why don't you just walk away? You don't have to do this. You could do something else. And this book, this author i had heard on um, the Daily Stoic podcast, and it's it talks about how human beings are conditioned by their own psychology to persevere beyond the point where it makes sense to our own detriment. And they bring up all these she brings up all these examples of people that have persisted to the point where, you know, you know, people that have persevered hiking a mountain when in unsafe conditions because they wanted to reach the top and then they die or like Muhammad Ali who should have retired, you know, many years before he did, before he got, you know, on un- irreparable brain damage. And now I, you know, obviously those are extreme cases and I don't think I fall into that same category, but you know, I, I think it's, it's a good book. It's it's definitely putting some things in perspective it's making me think back about a lot of mistakes that i've made and and how i want to fix those in the future and i just hope i get that second chance so i'm not ready to quit i i do want to keep moving forward in this company if we can and you know the results of this arbitration will will tell us whether we will or not so so we'll see again but in the meantime i'm going to enjoy my family i'm going to enjoy my my friends. I'm going to enjoy being here on the East Coast. I'm going to enjoy the holidays. I'm going to prepare myself for a fabulous 2023. I am I'm manifesting a lot of things. I'm setting a lot of goals. I signed up for the 21 day new year, new you challenge, uh, through the daily stoic. And so I'll be starting that, uh, on in January. So I'll be sharing all of that. I don't know exactly what it's going to be. It's like a new, new challenge every day. It's supposed to help you build better habits, release yourself from anger, hoping to get over some of my anger. Um, and I don't know, it's, it's, it should be interesting. I I thought about doing it last year and I, I said, no, maybe, I, I don't know. I just didn't do it last year. So I was going to put it off again. And then I'm like, no, I need to, I need to, I wanted to do some sort of challenge this year. And so So I signed up for that. It was only $95 or $99, which was reasonable. So I'll let you know how it goes. And I hope all of you have a wonderful and safe New Year and New Year's Eve. Uh, And please uh, get ready for a very interesting interview with Kim Shapira, founder of the Kim Shapira Method. She's a registered dietitian. You can follow her on Instagram at Kim Shapira and enjoy this interview. All right. So let's get into the episode. So today I have a fabulous guest. Uh, She's a world renowned registered dietitian by the name of Kim Shapira. And she is the founder and creator of the Kim Shapira Method. Uh, So we're going to be getting into that today. She also has a book coming out, which is very exciting. So welcome, Kim. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I'm super excited to talk to you. Um, I've heard you on a number of podcasts. I follow you on Instagram. You're a great follow. Everyone go follow her. It's just at Kim Shapira, right? At Kim Shapira method. At Kim Shapira method. And then what's the book that you have coming out? It's called This is What You're Really Hungry For.
1: And And it's coming out in July.
0: Coming out in July. And what's that going to be about?
1: oh, I feel like it's like a little bit of my baby. I've been in private practice for 25 years. So it's really how to do the Kim Shapira method, but really like how to take back your health
0: and sustain, you know, your weight or any weight loss that you may have had. Okay, fantastic. So I do want to get into the Kim Shapira method. And I I have talked about it on a previous podcast, because I, I heard you first on the Jenny Hutt show, but, um, but first I'm I'm just curious, have you ever personally struggled with your own weight? That's a good question. I yeah. mean, it,
1: no. Okay. The answer you is always,
0: no. You've always been at a healthy weight for you.
1: Yeah, and um you know, the, it's very interesting because I wasn't even interested in food when I okay. went to graduate school.
0: <laughs> okay. What got you into <laughs> nutrition?
1: Um so I knew that nutrition could make people healthy
0: and yeah, that's
1: yeah. what I was interested in. And I didn't want to be a doctor. Okay. I didn't want to like give up my life, so to speak. I wanted to be available to my family, but also be able to really have an impact in
0: people's health. Okay. And I knew that food could do it. Yeah. Like disease prevention through nutrition.
1: Of course. Disease prevention, weight maintenance, longevity, all the things.
0: So were you raised in a family that ate very nutritionally and very well-balanced? You know, were you Oh raised- my gosh, no. Yeah. No? <laughs> so, So a little bit about me is
1: that I would have called myself a sick kid. So when I was 12 and it was 1986 when this happened, I got sick and I ended up at UCLA having multiple reconstructive surgeries. And I spent the whole year basically in and out of UCLA and then the next four years- Going to see my specialists. And the thing is, what's interesting is that we really do work our entire lives to master the triggers that we have. An individual can develop anywhere between three and five triggers in the first six years of their life. And then they develop another one when they go through something traumatizing. And then they pick careers and spouses to master them. So for me, 9 11 you know, for me, COVID, for actually everyone, like nobody is coming out of COVID unaffected in some way. And then again, 1986. So I picked a career to be healthy. Yeah. And I went to graduate school. I liked the science part. The cooking part was not for me, like the food science. I just was not into knowing whether a muffin had holes in it or not. And (laughs) how to cook a rare steak, like just wasn't my passion. Um, And I came out of grad school. I started a private practice immediately. And because I didn't feel like I could have, I could make an effort and changing people's lives by working and seeing them in a hospital. So I did do that for my medical internship, but then I never saw them again. So I never knew if I had an impact and there was no follow through. And so that was very triggering for me, right? Like I needed to make sure people were hearing me and that I was changing them, helping them change themselves actually. And I got out of grad school and I put everyone on a diet because that's what we had learned to do. I used the diabetic exchanges. I still think they're brilliant. I understand them completely. And I think if they were better understood, people would also really appreciate them. And what's interesting is all like food labels are basically dictated and created by the same kind of, you know, food label or uh, diabetic exchanges.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: what had happened to me is that. My clients who had lost weight started gaining the weight back. Okay. And this was deeply triggering for me. Sure. Now, when I was 12, the UCLA was right next to a department store called Bullock's, mm-hmm. if anyone remembers Westwood back in the day. And my mom would say to me, because we had a long drive from Calabasas to Westwood once a week, she would say, well, don't cry. We'll go to this appointment and then we'll go to Bullock's. And I would spend the entire doctor appointment dreaming about what I was going to buy. And a coping mechanism was developed. And my brain became trained to think that any emotion shopping was a great idea. (laughs) So as my clients started telling me or thinking like, I can't sustain this kind of eating, this doesn't work for me in Paris, or this doesn't work for me, you know, in the holiday parties, I started recognizing that my clients eat the way that I shop. And I needed to kind of heal myself. And as I started to do that, I started to recognize patterns. And that's how the Kim Shapiro method became. So when I have six rules, and so when it says eat when you're hungry, it's really buy when you need it. (laughs) Put it on the
0: wall. Yeah. And you have it in your house if you need it or? No,
1: but like eat when you're hungry, right? The rule is eat when you're hungry. So let's go through the six rules
0: of the Kim Shapiro method first, and then let's get into it.
1: Okay. So the first rule is three parts. You eat when you're physically hungry. Okay. you start with your normal portion. Uh You cut it in half and you wait 15 minutes to see if you need more. Actually it's four parts. So there's like so much loaded in that. And it triggers fear on four different levels, four different times. People might think I don't get hungry. I don't know what my normal portion is. I don't feel like I can cut it in half. I can't wait 15 minutes, right? So many ways in which we get in our own way. So we can go into that. Rule number two is to eat what you love, but the food should love you back. So this will, it's really all about people's shame and persecution and undoing diet culture in their mind or whatever they think they should do or what they think is healthy and getting more in tune with their bodies.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: rule number three is to eat without distractions I mean all of us having human experiences are emotional beings and we're not paying attention to what our body needs we're more focused on like having pleasure in this moment it's just fun to have something in our mouth and so it just is distracting Mm -hmm. from any emotion that we might be experiencing rule number four is to get 10,000 steps and this is really to balance your circadian rhythms help you maintain your weight, your digestion, your hormones, your mood, so many things. Yep. And then rule number 5 is to drink 8 cups of water. This is a detox, this is a cleanse, this is you know, essential for your well-being. I mean, we can pretty much survive a couple of weeks without anything except water. We need water or we, you know, will not last longer than 3 days. Sure, and people sure. overlook water a lot. And then the last rule is seven hours of sleep, which really became a thing during COVID when, um, I'd always talked about sleep, but when I started recognizing my clients weren't sleeping because of the stress, I knew that they weren't going to be able to maintain any weight loss. Okay. And as it is like the average American gained about 29 pounds during COVID. That was me too. (laughs) Yeah. So that's, those are the six rules. There's a lot to them and it's, it's really how I healed myself and I'm still, you know, a work in progress as we all should be.
0: Yeah. What do you, um, cause when I look at these, I, they're all very sensible. Um, I'm someone who I like to be distracted when I eat. Like I like to either listen to a podcast or I like to watch TV. I know that, that you're not supposed yeah. to do that and that's what you're teaching, right? Focus on your food and really enjoy it.
1: Yeah. And so that's a really good question because it's not that, I I don't appreciate that. Right. Like I like that as well, Mm -hmm. but I'm also very capable of recognizing when I've had one bite too many, or I'm about to have one bite too many. Like I could be talking to you right now and figuring out how hungry I am and how badly I have to pee and be making a plan and letting my body know we're safe at the same time I'm talking to you. Right. And so the reason that is, is because I've practiced being in my body. I don't let myself kind of like fly off and, keep my mind and like, pay attention to my mind. Mm-hmm. I've practiced bringing my mind back to my body to say, I don't like this moment right now, but here I am Yeah, and I'll, it's going to pass. Right. right. And so many people don't feel their
0: body. They don't even want to be in their body. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, yeah. I, that's so true. And, um, I mean, I, you know, I think I am definitely someone who has, you know, who does feel my body. I've done a lot of yoga, a lot of Pilates. I've I've gone up and down 20 to 40 pounds many times. Um, and, you know, I think for me, when I analyze like my eating behaviors and we like you know, again, one of the reasons I started this podcast was because of that, that yo-yo and how bad I feel when I have let myself gain that weight and, and, and wanting to get back down and not, not needing to feel bad about that. Like, I think it's fine for every, I think it's okay for people to want to lose weight. And I think the diet culture, the anti-diet culture movement really pushed against that. Um, I think where I struggle is like, I know I'm eating like i sometimes I purposely set out to like eat until my stomach hurts. Right. Just because I'm like deciding this is a weekend where I'm going to indulge and and I like to eat a lot and 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 I know my stomach's going to hurt. So it's it's almost like this intuitive like decision to 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 hurt myself. Yeah. (laughs) But knowing that I will get back on track eventually. Of course. But what
1: what the opposite would be to acknowledge that you're having that thought mm. and then to tell your mind it's a liar mm-hmm. and that you don't have to like even participate in that conversation with your mind. Like, you know, our mind produces 60,000 thoughts a day,
0: 60,000
1: right. <laughs> in response to something you see, smell, feel, and hear. Like you and I are having like a direct Thought conversation like we're being thoughtful, we're being mindful, and our mind is also protecting us. You know, if you and I heard a loud sound right now, we would stop what we were doing. Our mind would analyze the situation. Once we deemed it was safe, we would carry on. Mm -hmm. And so, you have to be aware that your mind's job is to help you survive in the most pleasurable way. And so, obviously, you indulging over a weekend is way more pleasurable than not right <laughs> and then you have to be able to say to your mind thank you for trying to protect me from this discomfort I am actually okay
0: right yeah no that's a good point um so so a lot of what you do is psychological <laughs> yeah um now so let me talk about because I heard you first on the Jenny Hut show and you know so I I, on this podcast, I review a lot of other podcasts. So I, uh, I heard you on there because I was reviewing her weight Wednesday. And so I, I've reviewed her podcast and I, and now she has a podcast that then she was on Sirius XM, but, um, and I review this other one called diet starts tomorrow. Have you ever heard that one? No. Mm-mm. So it's, they're, they're polar opposites in that Jenny is very, like, she is very focused on maintaining her 70 pound weight loss. And she talks all about getting in her 10,000 steps and she's talks about what she eats and she's, you know, and she posts like what I eat in a day to maintain my 70 pound weight loss. And she's just, she's very like, okay. And, and set in her ways. Cause she knows that's how she is mentally well to like maintain that for her diet starts tomorrow is very about get so getting away from the diet culture movement that they would find some of the things that she's says very problematic um because they're they're very focused on intuitive eating. Now yeah. what and she and Jenny's like you know kind of veers against that. So what is your opinion on intuitive eating and that movement?
1: I mean I'm not I I think intuitive eating is a wonderful place to start. Yeah. Yeah, I think um some people really need to start there and I would encourage a lot of people to start there. I do believe that weight loss is essential for improving our health. Like if we have more control and power than we allow ourselves to believe. And if I were to say to you, it's okay if you don't want to lose weight because you want to believe that that's bad or someone's going to judge you. I just have read thousands of studies and I have seen in every one of my clients cases where it's just a one or two pound difference that changes your blood pressure, your cholesterol, your blood sugar, your risk for diabetes, risk for heart attack, one or two pounds. So if a hundred, if a person is 145 pounds, their numbers could be high, but at 139, it all goes away. That's interesting. It's interesting. And so if you were to go back and study like nutrition science they all say a 20% change is all somebody needs. That's not a lot. So, we don't need to see massive numbers, but we do need to see some change yeah. that you can do through diet and lifestyle without having to be medicated. Right. People are totally okay with their handout to take a medicine and not make any changes, but those medicines cause side effects. And there's other ways. And the truth is it's, I think people think they're powerless. Yeah. And they're not.
0: A hundred percent. And that's another reason why I started this podcast is because, so my dad had massive heart attack, like three massive heart attacks throughout his life. He had diabetes, he had COPD. I mean, and if, and I always said, if he just had some balance, if he had just a little bit, if he walked, if he, you know, just ate a salad with, you know, just a little bit of balance. And what you just said, then that's, that's a study, right? 20%. I didn't realize that just a pound or two. Yeah, that's That's amazing. So so yeah, I'm not, you know, educated in my sense. Like I was, my instinct was right. Just a tiny bit of balance in someone's life can really make that much of a difference.
1: I mean, I I said to you when we were before we were recording, I really love the name of your podcast. And, um, you know, it could also be quite triggering for people. Like I use the word rules on purpose. And when I hear diet obsessed, I I think Switzerland, I don't think restrictive, but that's because in my mind, diet means lifestyle. And so even if I'm using the word in any way, I am referring to your lifestyle. And so sometimes in like for intuitive eaters, it might be just going back and realizing like I use the word diet in a negative way. I'm triggered by that word diet. You know, that's just maybe the place to start.
0: Well, absolutely. And, and this podcast isn't just about dieting in that sense of losing weight. I'm also just, I'm obsessed with listening to what people eat in a day, whether it's healthy or whether it's indulgent. I just love, and I, I was raised in an Italian culture where food was celebrated and And we were taught eat, 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 not diet, diet, you know, not lose weight, lose weight. And I know like the diet starts tomorrow, girls, they were raised with parents that were like, you know, putting them on diets. And, and, you know, the the girl that's the new host was put in a fat camp, you know, as a young kid. Now that, that would probably make me more anti-diet culture, but I was raised the opposite. I was raised eat, 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 but it will actually affect your health in a negative way you know, and 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 I saw the effects of that. So, yeah. so I do believe in weight loss, but right. I also believe that that the idea of diet culture in the sense of like everybody has to look like a Victoria's Secret model is wrong, right? Like I understand that, and there has to be a place for you know different culture, like cultures and different body types and acceptance. So that's some of the intuitive eating principles. Which I just did a series of podcasts that reviewed all of the intuitive eating principles. And it's funny because I'd never done them, all the 10 principles, but one, a couple of them do stand out being similar to some of yours in in like the pausing when you're eating. Now yours is really specific, right? It is.
1: And it's based in science. Okay. Right. So we know scientifically that it takes 15 minutes for us to know that we're safe and food has hit our stomach and that we're fueled. Yes. And so we do need to put that pause in because if you think about it, from the minute we start eating, that's when the 15 minute timer starts and I could eat all my food in three or four minutes.
0: Yep.
1: You know, I'm not a slow eater by any means and I'm rushed most of my life. So I'm eating quickly. But if I recognize I'm going to eat again in two hours or three hours, then I feel safer. Sure. Sure. And if I start with half and I slow down how long it takes me to eat, I'm really still going to be uncomfortable for seven, eight minutes before my stomach tells my mind, you've had enough food, right? Mm -hmm. And it's really the impulse right there that we have to train our minds. Yeah. You know, and how is it that none of us feel safe around food and that none of us trust that there's going to be more food? I mean, we've eaten all our lives. 21 meals every single week, yet somebody told somebody you have to restrict and they did. And then because we're human, they ended up overeating and like there became a trained behavior that they're, you know, struggling to untrain. It's not, it is possible to untrain, you know, it's just, it requires work. And the truth is, is that we operate in 49% of the same actions we did yesterday We have to be awake and like intentional to say, I'm going to start with half and let me just check in with my body and see if I need more.
0: Yeah. No, I think that that's, I think that that's really smart because there's so many times that, and I'm sure so many people relate to this, where you're starving, you go to a restaurant, you order all this food and you've, you've ordered like four things that you just didn't even need. And and then you're sick at the end of it.
1: So. And studies prove that if you're starving, when you show up and you eat a piece of bread and your food arrives 10 minutes later,
0: yeah. you're no
1: longer hungry for your meal. It's so and, true. And like, let's just say we're thinking about our body as science. What it, What is the message we're giving our bodies when we're eating, when we're not hungry, we are saying a storm is coming. We need to store this for later. Yeah. Right. That's the message we're giving. And then our body is also saying, okay, I don't, I'm not, I have no room left. I'm not hungry. So I'll now convert this to fat for the winter for that storm.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's, um, well, so it's interesting because, you know, when I was counseling people in this weight loss program where I used to work, we would, a lot of the clients that I had, and they were women that had like a hundred pounds to lose there. What we saw was their problems. They would not, they wouldn't, they wouldn't take care of themselves. You know, they'd be taking care of their kids, taking care of their husband. They wouldn't eat all day and then they'd eat so much at night. And it would be, of course, all the wrong choices. Yeah, But, and, and what we would, what we were taught at least then Is that you know your metabolism slows down and then your body stores everything because it's starving and it stores, but then there's this whole intermittent fasting, which and I guess that's really just calorie reduction. But I was like, isn't your body just going to like store it all by that time?
1: It's not that confusing. It's
0: first of all, let's go back to like the first
1: thing you said because um, I see a lot of people who are too busy to eat during the day, but what they're really saying is I don't get hungry. Mm. And hunger is really like the cue that our body gives that tells us our metabolism is working. And so like, how quickly do you think you would go to the doctor if you suddenly stopped having the urge to pee pretty quickly? Mm -hmm. So if we get the signal, our bladder is full. If we can't get the signal that our stomach needs food, you should be wondering why. Mm. And so if you know what you did learn, is, is right on. But just to kind of layer it, we have master clocks in our body, and they regulate everything. And so like I said before, we kind of operate exactly how we did yesterday. So you will be driven to eat the same amount of food in weight as you did yesterday. It just may happen that you are not eating or starting until later in the day. Mm-hmm. And because you feel so hungry, you also feel like you're out of control. But your body is driving you to eat until you reach the same amount of weight in calories as you did the day before. Okay.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think of intermittent fasting? Do you think it's a yeah, So intermittent fasting? So, um,
1: we all should be not eating after dinner. Like we should not be eating three to six hours before we go to bed. When we eat, it tells our body to wake up and to digest. So we want to have a very good restful sleep. And so we shouldn't eat three to six hours before we go to bed. Then we sleep for seven hours, which the average American is about six, six and a half. So we can sleep between seven and nine and we're not eating for three to six. Guess what? That's
0: already a fast. Mm, right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Nighttime is my favorite time to eat. I find that if I don't like I did this, I did one day of a carnivore diet on Monday, just after Thanksgiving, I was like out of control. I just needed to reset. And I, so the last thing I ate was a steak at, at like, you know, five or 6 p.m., And oh my God, it was, it was torture to not eat the ice cream in the freezer. And I'm like, Veronica, just, but I, I find I like to eat some carbs at night because it just helps me sleep. But if I go to bed hungry, if my stomach's grumbling, I have such a hard time sleeping.
1: Yeah, I believe it. Um, I mean, it, it sounds like I would kind of strive for balance. I don't really know that much about like your individual diet, but we all as humans pretty much need similar diets. Mm -hmm. which are to maintain our blood sugar, right? We're like, you know, humans in these bodies that are self-regulating, that self-heal and every organ's purpose is to help us survive, right? So if it all comes back to blood sugar, then we need to be eating every two and a half to three hours to maintain it. If our blood sugars are off, our body becomes even more stressed than it already is. And then it stores more calories. So it's less about what you're eating, but more why again, but making sure that you're starting to eat when you wake up hungry and you will be, if you don't eat three to six hours before bed, and then only eating enough to be hungry again in two to three hours. And if you continue the cycle, what happens is it balances your blood sugar. And that is the link to longevity and decrease of all
0: diseases by at least 30%. Awesome. I love that. Let me ask you a couple more things because I know we have your, your, you know, you're tight on time. Um, the 10,000 steps concept, did you create that? Because that's kind of like become the standard for people. Maybe. I okay. think so.
1: I think so. So the, you know, American College of Sports Medicine really recommends one hour of physical activity every single day and no less than 7,000 steps. Okay. So 7,000 steps will decrease your risk of sudden death, but 10,000 steps will actually not only decrease your risk of sudden death, but it will, um, like pretty much like I talked about before, balance that master clock. It really helps with your cortisol and your melatonin levels. Mm -hmm. And then that basically regulates your immune function, your digestion, your hormone balance and your weight. So, um, yeah. And I, I mean, it's, it's really interesting how many people fight on that. And -hmm. if they think they did 30 minutes of Peloton, they feel like they're in good shape.
0: Well, I was going to ask you, like, what about weightlifting versus like, what if I'm someone that wants to do a Pilates class instead of, you know, 10,000 steps that day?
1: Yeah. And that's a really good point. So, um, I (laughs) always say, That this diet or the Kim Shapiro method, those six rules are very structured, right? You just become this kind of person who eats when you're hungry, eats what they love, moves their body every day, drinks water, sleeps, but it's very flexible in how it gets done. I don't care what time you're eating. I just want to make sure you're eating every couple hours. I don't care what you love. Doesn't have to be what I love. I don't care, you know, the seven hours you're sleeping as long as it's the same, pretty close to the same ones you were getting before. Mm -hmm. And you also get to be flexible in how you do the steps. I like to do arm weights and leg, you know, squats and sit-ups and walk and Peloton and mix it all up. You know, spin class, I mix it all up. And so it doesn't have to be just going outside and walking. You just need to move your body. And like, I have a client right now who has a broken ankle yeah, her yeah. arms are working is all I would say. And so she's going to get those steps mm-hmm. using her
0: arms. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. Cause I actually tried to do 10,000 steps one time and I'm like, Oh my God, this is going to take me forever. (laughs) But I also don't have one of those Fitbits that tracks like what I'm doing throughout the day either. So I was just trying to do it like on one session on the treadmill and I'm like, Oh my God. But I'm someone that likes, I usually do like a short 20 minute interval run with maybe some strength training and I, and I like to move my body. So it's, it's become a habit for me. Yeah.
1: Well, it's five miles a day and it's, I would say it's a non-negotiable. like, even if you're at like 3000 or 2,500, mm-hmm. I would just make a goal every day where you're adding a hundred more, 200 more, right. It doesn't have to be done overnight. Like you've got to find joy in the journey and like, stop worrying about getting the 10,000, but like, how can I have fun getting to that goal? And even if it takes me a year, right. It's yeah. better than not getting there.
0: Now, I I did want to talk about Ozempic because it's such a popular topic right now. All the celebrities are doing it. And uh, so what are your thoughts on Ozempic for weight loss?
1: Okay. So Ozempic is a diabetic medication that as a side effect has been discovered causes weight loss. Yes. (laughs) So it's kind of been crazy. So for the last year, I've been working privately with a few patients or my clients who have been on it. And at first I was like appalled. (laughs) I'm like, oh my God, here we go. This is terrible. Um, But, you know, scared because again, my only concentration is what happens on the day after you lose the weight. Can you sustain and can you maintain this? And if you take this, what happens when you stop? But the clients that I have on it, they're still working with me every single week. Okay. And that's, that's the key, right? They're learning how to manage all their emotions, all their reactions, and to be eating every two and a half to three hours. The, the handful of clients that I have that have been on it, they are yo-yo dieters, they've dieted their whole life. And so when they started this medication, I didn't know them, they called me, they said, I'm on this medication. And I also want to work with you. I can appreciate that. And so that is that is what I'm here for. You know, however you want to eat, I want to open your mind to the possibility that you can do better and take better care of yourself. And so because of that, I started working with, um, or partnering, I should say, with Dr. Taya, Taya Alibadi, mm-hmm. who is a gynecologist in Beverly Hills. And she actually has a medically supervised program where she uses Ozempic. And the only thing that I really get to contribute is that I get to support her patients in teaching them how to sustain it. And, you know, yeah. my fear is that people will do it short term, and they won't have changed or learned anything. Right. But this, you know, we have a we're in an obesity epidemic. Mm-hmm. And if this could turn that around, I mean, that's a game changer. Yeah. I, it's 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 complicated, right? Because there's the people who are getting it who only need to lose five or ten pounds. I don't know any of them. Okay. There's and then there's the people who are you know over 200 pounds and need to lose 40 to 60 pounds.
0: Sure. So were the the people that you have counseled? They were specifically put on it not because they're diabetic, but because of weight loss. Is that right?
1: Um, they the some of them that I can think of, they definitely had high blood sugar and maybe were just on the cusp of becoming diabetic. Okay, but okay. it also, I'm thinking of two different clients in particular who also had high triglycerides, mm-hmm. um, high cholesterol, um, endometriosis, and um, I think their blood sugars were out of whack. So what they really had was metabolic syndrome, synd- syndrome X. Okay. And that is a weight dependent disease, which basically means when you lose weight, all of your disease states go away.
0: Oh, Wow. So that's a good reason to do it for sure. A
1: good reason to do it, and like you know, it's a good reason to do it. So I'm on the fence, and I'm really like I'm pulling for the people who are doing
0: it. Yeah,
1: and I'm hoping for the best that they really change.
0: And so you haven't seen anyone where you've counseled them through using it; they've lost their weight, they're at their goal weight, and then they then they stop Ozempic, and then you've been around long enough. Okay, okay, so it that's, hasn't. So we'll have to like have you on again. <laughs> I believe in everyone.
1: So hopefully, you know, you're doing the work, you know,
0: well, do you you find that? Because again, from what I've heard, it just makes you not makes you not want to eat makes you have very little appetite. So yeah,
1: yes and no. So what it really does is it trains you to eat half. And I am all for that training. Right, right. And like I said before, like there's structure in my rules and flexibility. And so A place like eating half is like really a place to start.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Like I may need more than half. Right. But I'm mindful enough to recognize that I am going to need more or not. Sure. And also trust that I can have it again later. People who are taking Ozempic are coming from, um, I would call them emotional eaters. Yeah. I would call them um, not hungry. Mm -hmm. And so now they're actually learning what hunger feels like. They're doing it clear minded without stress of any of the emotional pieces, like they could be having an emotional moment. Mm -hmm. But their mind is retraining them not I mean, they're not thinking food is the answer in that moment. Right? There's so much opportunity for them to change.
0: Yeah. Um, what they're eating
1: every two and a half to three hours, they should not be eating less than that. Right? So at least five or six times
0: a day. So you, you do teach people that you, you want them to eat consistently yes. throughout the day. Yes. Okay. We need to, we need to balance our blood sugars. Sure. No, I mean, I, that, that's the only thing that works for me personally. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have heard the side because I did research it a little bit and cause I did a whole topic on it. Um, I did hear that some people are having to have their gallbladders removed. Have you heard that?
1: Okay. Well, that's interesting. And I actually haven't, I would love for you to send me any information you have on that, but here's the reality of that. Um, the side effects that are from Ozempic, when they take the shot, let's say it's on a Saturday, some people are experiencing mild to mild. I wouldn't say it's anything more than mild nausea, Okay. but I I think nausea is actually the worst. So like, even if it's mild, just to be experiencing that is not good. Okay. So, um, then they're taking Zofran to counter that. And the only problem with Zofran is that it can cause constipation. Huh. Yeah. So that's, those are the actual side effects and clients who've been on Ozempic for a long period are no longer experiencing it.
0: Well, because Ozempic was, I thought Ozempic was around just specifically just for diabetics for a while. No. Diabetics don't stop it. Right. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But back to the gallbladder. So um, what's interesting is that Weight Watchers, there was a lot of information years and years ago about how A lot of patients or clients were at Weight Watchers, and then they would end up having their gallbladders removed. And so on any diet that is restrictive, when you lose weight and greater than eight pounds in a month, you are risking your gallbladder. It creates a backup of sludge. So bile basically breaks down fat and when, and it's stored in our gallbladder, when you lose weight, the bile gets backed up and creates sludge. And that is what causes people to need their gallbladder removed.
0: Interesting.
1: It's greater than eight pounds of weight loss per month. In my experience, like right now I have one Ozempic client that I'm thinking of and she's lost three pounds last month.
0: Okay. So
1: it's, and she can, they take
0: like a, can they take a laxative to get rid of that sludge or something? No, no. And that's not going to detect the sludge. It's just there and they have to have it it removed
1: pain. Pain when you eat is how you would know that you're, you know, having some sort of problem with your gallbladder.
0: Okay. Interesting. I know I've never heard of that. So
1: it's not widely talked about, but it is the reason.
0: Interesting.
1: Okay. And it's not just with Ozempic. It's anytime you lose greater than eight pounds in a month, you're at risk.
0: Now, did you ever counsel anyone back in the day that took Fenfen and loved it? Yes
1: everybody loved it everybody loved it <laughs> yeah
0: yeah my the, the clients that i had they were like oh my god i had no side effects i had no appetite it was amazing
1: but they had a
0: rapid heart rate you know right the people yeah. that you know then people died so yeah there were, there
1: were quite know. quite a few side effects i actually don't think of in the same league
0: okay right yeah at all yeah a doctor that i heard on a podcast was talking about that the gastrointestinal for the society there's some some gastrointestinal organization that is really supportive of ozempic for weight yeah. loss yeah
1: because it actually does exactly what you should be doing you should be eating only what your body needs in this moment and then again in two or 3 hours and only what your body needs in that moment right 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 i mean like people are so focused on what their mind is telling them to do that they're ignoring their physical body and like we should only be paying attention to our bodies Yeah. What does my body need? How can I take care of my body?
0: So people that come to you specifically come to you to do the Kim Shapira method. Is that right?
1: Yeah. And maybe they didn't know that when they called and then I'll (laughs) say to them, you know, this is what we're going to do. Right. And then, you know, I think (laughs) most people are happy and relieved to learn that I'm not going to tell them what to eat.
0: Because yeah. it's it's like um, the idea of eating what you love, but then I think that today's the first time I've heard, but it should love you back. I think that's the first yeah. time I've heard that extra little thing added on yeah. to it because I do think it's important. And I, you know, in intuitive eating, obviously one of the principles is eat what you love. But obviously like, and, and a lot of people like Sammy on diet starts tomorrow, she ate like massive amounts of cake for a while and she gained a ton of weight, but she had to like prove to herself that cake was going to be there. And like, it's, you know, yes, but um, but here's,
1: I do it differently in the fact that you can only eat what you love when you're hungry and you can only do half of the amount that you would normally do and wait 15 minutes. Right. It's not a free for all. I did not give you (laughs) permission to go and eat everything right now. Right, right. right. And what a shame that would be if you knew everything you were going to eat for the rest of your life in this moment. Why? We have so much to look forward to. Exactly. No, absolutely.
0: Well, good. Well, um, this has been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed it. Um, Is there anything else you want us that you want my audience to know about you? Anything else you have coming up besides the book? Um,
1: well, in January,
0: I don't know when this is going
1: to air. But in January, I'm starting a whole bunch of new support groups. So if anybody needs that kind of support, they're between eight and 10 women across the world, basically, and we gather for an hour every single week via zoom, and we just learn the Kim Shapiro method and how to have a healthy relationship with yourself and with food. Um I'm, if you know, I'm just happy to help anyone that I can. So you know, I'm I'm available, so please DM me if you have any questions. And that's it. Go buy my book. I can't wait, wait for you to read it.
0: What, what's the name of the book again? This is what you're really hungry for. And people should go to your website, or where should they get that? It's on
1: Amazon. It's on Barnes and Noble's. It's wherever any book, major books are sold, or know, any, any major bookstore. <laughs> yeah, is where you can find it. Um, and it's also on my website. Great. And all the places people can find you, Kim? Um, My website is KimShapiraMethod.com. My Instagram is at method, as is my TikTok, my Pinterest, my LinkedIn, and my Twitter.
0: (laughs) She's everywhere. I'm (laughs) everywhere. So go find her. Uh, Follow me at the Diet Obsessed podcast. Um, Thank you so much for joining me today, Kim. It was a great conversation. I really appreciate it.